Monday, January 10th, 1944. Maybe that's just another date to a lot of people, but to Pat Ryan and Terry Lee, it's a day they'll never forget. At any moment, they expect the go-ahead signal to come through from British Secret Service. And when it does, Pat and Terry are starting out on the biggest adventure of their lives, a secret two-man mission to Japan, to Tokyo. You'll think this is a day to remember, too, when we join Pat and Terry. So stand by for the big show that's going to go to Tokyo. Here comes Quaker with a bang, bang. Bang, bang. Quaker puffed wheat sparkies, the wheat that's shot from guns. The family's favorite breakfast, the wheat that's shot from guns. Quaker puffed wheat sparkies, no ration points to tell. The easy step to extra pep, and boy, the taste is swell. Yes, here comes Quaker with a bang, bang. Bang, bang, bang. Hello, gang. Here's a riddle for you cleverkins. What asks no questions but requires many answers? A doorbell, of course. But I don't rush to answer the doorbell when I'm eating the cereal shot from guns. No siree. No interfering with my breakfast pleasure. Try this swelligan breakfast tomorrow. Take your choice of Quaker puffed wheat sparkies or Quaker puffed rice sparkies. They're both shot from guns. The rice is night, the wheat's a treat. They're magnified eight times bigger and brim full of glorious nut-like flavor. And if it's crispness you want, why these breakfast grains are so crisp they're snap-happy. Yep, they chirp while you crunch them. Delish and nutrish are Quaker puffed wheat sparkies and Quaker puffed rice sparkies. For they're full of hearty nourishment with restored whole grain amounts of vitamin B1, niacin, and iron. Cereal So Restored is in one of the groups of seven basic foods Uncle Sam wants us all to eat every day to keep strong. They're not rationed. Look for them in the big red and blue Quaker package. Now then, gang, here's the picture. Pat and Terry are in their room in Chongqing, China. They're getting dressed. Pat putting on Baron von der Vogelweider's Nazi uniform. And Terry, as he slips into a pair of cracked water-stained shoes, says... Golly, these shoes, how am I ever going to get them off? <laughs> you better get them on first. Uh, wait, I'll give you a hand. No, no, I'll get them on. I can see the idea of making these shoes look like they've been in salt water for a couple of weeks, but... Gee. Oh, brother, oh. There. Ooh. Well, that's over. <laughs> now, let me see if I can stand up in them. I'll do the Brogan's pins. They're only supposed to look shrunk, not hurt your feet. No, no, they're okay. Hmm. I wonder how they made these shoes look like this. Uh, I wonder how they made our hands look the way they do. Every time I look at my paws, I get a jolt. Yeah, me too, Pat. The funny part is they, they look all shriveled up like they've been in salt water for days, but, but they feel okay. Very clever, these Chinese chemists. Uh, hop in the rest of your outfit, Terry. Let's get the total effect. Boy, we sure do look like a couple of beachcombers. Oh, well, we do. We're all wrong. No, I don't mean beachcombers. I mean... Golly, I'll say one thing. You sure look like the Baron. Yep. Just the way he looked the first day I saw him in the hospital. Oh, I hope so. I don't want to look like Pat Ryan in disguise. Hey, maybe we're forgetting. Huh? Well, the idea is not for me to just look like the Baron and you to look like his assistant... We gotta be the Baron, and you gotta be the assistant. Yeah, but if you can fool the Japs in Tokyo the way you fooled Berman or later, you'll be doing all right. Well, I've had a chance to study the real Baron. What about you, Terry? Just be yourself. I'm glad I don't have to talk with a German accent or anything. Maybe it's just as well I never saw the Baron's assistant. I'll just talk like I always talked, and 
act like myself. That's the idea. Now, step over in front of the mirror. Let's take a look at ourselves. Hi, Pat. You and Tony ready? Uh, yeah, yeah. Come in, Fluff. <laughs> well, strike me pink if you birds ain't what the ack shot at and missed. Uh, do we look as though we'd been at sea? That sunburn. Look, so real, it makes me feel hot. Well, Sunlamps in the <laughs> hospital did a pretty good job. Do we look like we've been drifting in a life raft for days and days? You sure do. Well, give us the lowdown, Cargan. We're not playing for marbles. Well, if I was a Jap and I saw you two drifting toward the coast of Japan, I think I'd stop you and, like as not, fall via slang. Yeah, man. You think you'd fall? We gotta be more convincing than that. Okay, I'd fall. Your clothes, your hands are all shriveled from salt water, that bunch of whiskers on your face. Ryan, listen, you give me the lowdown. Do you feel all right because you look as though you're starving? I feel swell. Well, me too. Doctor's been feeding us some kind of special vitamins. Maybe we look scrawny and skinny, but we feel great. Glad to hear it. I hope you still feel great when victory gets through you. Hey, I don't like the way you say that, Corkin. What's cooking? Brace yourself, gentlemen, and follow me. Colonel Vickery told me to bring you over to his office on the double. Hey, what's the rush? Are we going to Tokyo right now, away? Listen, you know something, Corkin, so give up with the information. Is Vickery hurt in the naval base about the submarine or, or what? The submarine is on its way to Island M. Island M? M is an Emma. Uh, where's that? Is that where you're flying us to meet the sub? Too many questions, brother. Just follow me. We're going over to British Secret Service headquarters to see a couple of men who would have words with you. All right, Ron. Teddy. First, let me present Mr. Chan of the Chinese Secret Service. Glad to meet you, Mr. Chan. How do you do, sir? I am happy to meet you both. With these formalities out of the way, we can get on to business. Uh, Colonel Vickery, unless you want me to stay here, I'll be on my way. Oh, not at all, Corkino man. Stay by all means. Mr. Chan and I have a few questions to ask Ryan and Terry. Okay, sir. I'll park the frame and listen. Right. To begin with, Ryan, Terry, step into the middle of the room where we can look you over. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm beginning to feel as though Terry and I were in total lot of Nazis and Japs. Be assured, both of you, that whatever we do or say to you here will be as nothing compared to your examination by the Nipponese and Germans in Tokyo. I've been wondering about this outfit, these dungarees I'm wearing. If the Baron was in uniform, I should think his assistant would be in uniform, too. There's some disagreement in our information about the Baron's assistant. Rather than have you wear a Nazi uniform, it seems safer to have you wear dungarees. Made in Germany, of course. Speaking for myself, I would say both men look quite convincing. Quite. So far as appearance goes, both of you look as though you'd had a very strenuous time of it in your rubber boat. Good. Now then, Mr. Chan and I will fire a few questions at you. You said, Ryan, that you felt as, as though you were already in Tokyo getting a workout from the Japs and Nazis. Well, that's exactly the way we want you and Terry to take this examination. Oh, I don't know about Terry, but my knees are wobbly. Mine, too. I hope you'll hide it as well when the Japs and Germans take over. Now then, in this third degree, so to speak, I'm going to be your Nazi questioner. Mr. Chan will pretend to be a Japanese military expert. So let's get on with it. Both of you, quickly, give me the Nazi salute. Achoo! Hi, Hitler! Hi, Good. Put a little more snap into it, Terry. Again. Achoo! Better. Much better. Now then, Baron. Your name? Baron Walter von der Vogelwerder. At dice? Halderstrasse 13 Berlin. Military rank? Colonel, General Staff, Technical Division. Education? Academy of Military Sciences, Staff School, War Academy. Your immediate superior? General von Dupleis. Married? A widower. My wife died in 1937. Children? None. 
Been in America? Once, 1931. England? London, 1927-1932. Military staff, German embassy. Mr. Tan, take over, please. Baron, your plane crashed in the China Sea? Yeah, my assistant and I were on our way to Tokyo. For what reason? To confer with you or the Japanese high commander about your new secret weapon stilettes. Where did you first hear of this new weapon we have invented? From my superior command, General von Duplach. This officer of the Reich was in communication with our high command in Tokyo? Yeah. Uh, the code number for such communication. 070 Green. When did you leave Berlin? December 12th, by plane. This is the plane that crashed in the China Sea? My assistant and I were in the Japanese plane, furnished us at your airbase near Shanghai. This man is your assistant? Yes, Kurt Smith. Thanks. Yo, Smith, step forward. Yes, sir. Name, Kurt Schmidt. You're not dressing a superior officer. Stand up straight. Yes, sir. You are not in uniform. Why? My uniform was torn to shreds and jumping free of the plane when the Baron and I crashed. And this mechanic's outfit you're wearing. Those dungarees. You found them floating conveniently on the China Sea? No, sir. They're my own. I threw them and the rest of our personal baggage out of the plane just as we hit the water. My uniform was so torn that I changed to this outfit. You speak German? Very little, sir. I went to school in England and the United States. Your father's name? Eugen Schmidt. He was attached to the German embassy in London. Did I ask you that? No, sir. When did you leave Berlin? December 12th. The name of the commanding officer of the Japanese airfield near Shanghai? Uh, Major... We are uh, waiting. His name. Quickly. Uh... Major Sumiyaki Mishimo. You met him personally? No, sir. The Baron did. These steelettes. What are they? I've only seen a drawing of them. A drawing? Where did you see it? In our headquarters in Berlin. The address? Königsplatz, Berlin. What room? The Baron's office, room A12. How long have you been assistant to Baron von der Fergelweider? About a year. These steelettes. What do they look like? Well, in the drawing, they were about as long as your little finger. A thin plastic shell, a capsule. A capsule, you say? What do they contain? I don't know, sir. If I may speak, sir. Well? In the drawing and documents we received in Berlin, nothing definite was said about what the capsules contained. In general, we were told they contain a new chemical. That is one of my objects in visiting Japan, to learn more about this highly destructive chemical. You were invited to come to Tokyo, you and young Schmidt? No, sir. Our trip was highly confidential and taken at the suggestion of the GSC. Oh, so the general staff corps had the idea. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, one, Terry. That's all for the present. Oh, boy. Wow. Tell me, Corkin, what's your impression? I'd say they were both pretty darn convincing, Colonel. Well, speak out, Flip, if we seem to give ourselves away anywhere. We... Of course, I haven't got all the data at my fingertips, like the Colonel and Mr. Chan, but your answer sounded natural and very convincing to me. Well, then, that'll be all for now. You can both go back to your headquarters and wait till you hear from me. All right, Colonel. Let's go, Terry. There are several phases of the mission yet to be gone into, but we will let you know as soon as possible, Mr. Ryan. All right, Mr. John. Come on, Terry. Let's be on our way. But golly, Pat, are we going to have to wait all night? It could be. Now, patience, my lad. Colonel Vickery's not sending us off to Japan until everything is set. This is worse than going to Tokyo, this waiting. I sure flubbed the name of that CO of the Jap airfield. Do, do you know it now? You bet. Major Sumiyaki Mishimo. Uh-huh. When we get to Tokyo, probably nobody will even ask me that name. Well, maybe not, but we can't take any chances. A plan like this one, one little slip and the whole thing is ruined. Yeah. Maybe the whole thing's off anyway, Pat. Maybe we... Well, not you, but me. Maybe I made a flop of the answers. We ought to know pretty soon, Terry. You know, except for that one slip, I, I think I got all the right answers. Ah, relax, fella. You begin to feel like you've really been on a raft for days if you don't take it easy. Listen, I feel that way already. Then relax. Whether we go to Tokyo or not is out of our hands now. We'll just have to wait. Well, gang, that's just about the toughest job of all. 
waiting to find out from British Secret Service if Pat and Terry have passed their test and will be sent to Tokyo or not. The decision from Colonel Vickery's office will come through tomorrow. I'll tell you something about that in just a moment, so stand by. Quaker puck wheat sparkies, the wheat that's shot from guns. Here comes Quaker with a bang, bang, da-da-da-da, bang, bang. Well, fellas and girls, you know every single one of us. Yes, every American man, woman, and child has to help win this war. And here's one thing Uncle Sam is asking us to do now. Save every single scrap of paper and turn it in for precious war material. Start in your own home. Save every single scrap of paper. Help collect it from neighbors, too. Then see that it's picked up by the salvage crews. Get in touch with your local OCD office for further instructions. Remember, Uncle Sam wants tons and tons of paper. Let's every boy and girl in this gang turn in his share. Now for today's victogram. Paper is a mighty weapon. Haul it in, keep smartly stepping. Turn in every scrap you can to lick the Nazis and Japan. Terry and the Pirates is dramatized for radio by Albert Barker, who says, Tomorrow, Pat Ryan and Terry Lee are going to get a big surprise, both good and bad, when they talk with Colonel Vickery. It's news that may mean life or death for them. So get on the beam. Same time, same station. Pirate! <laughs>